Well, listen, there's something on my heart. I got to teach this today. And uh, I, 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 I want to release this today. I think I don't know what's about to happen in here today, but but I am open and uh, we are we are ready to receive. Uh, there's a scripture I want to read found in Matthew chapter number 21, beginning at verse one. Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse one. Um, I'm really excited about this one today. If you ready, if you ready to receive, say yes. This is what it says. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you'll find a donkey tied there with a coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill which was spoken by the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I want to talk from this subject as we conclude this series called Air Force. I want to, I want to talk from this subject. Who left the gate open? <laughs> Who left? The, clap your hands if you're ready for God's word. Every. Family, all throughout this series, we've been articulating what I think to be an extremely important yet often overlooked spiritual reality. And that is, quite simply, that if we're going to experience God's best spiritually, emotionally, relationally, professionally, financially, it means we must be willing to work in two realms. We've articulated that the scriptures are clear. Faith without works is dead. So my willingness to work on it is an indication of my belief in it. In other words, if you believe in God for it, work on it. Because my work, my working on it, is an indication that I'm believing for it. If I believe it's going to rain, work on building an ark. Does that make sense? However, family, the work must not just be relegated to one realm. We must do work in the realm we can see, the natural realm. We call that ground game. That is exerting human effort. That is doing what you are able to do. But this work cannot be relegated to that realm because me experiencing God's best spiritually, emotionally, relationally, professionally, and financially is not just predicated on what happens on the ground. It's also, which is what I can't control, it's also impacted by what happens in the air. There are times where you can do all that you can do, yet at the same time not get the results you desire to get because what happens with you is not just dependent on you. Am I making sense here? Yeah, You can control how well you interview. You cannot control if they hire you. You can control how well you do on the application. You cannot control if they accept it. You can control how well you perform. You cannot control whether or not they promote you. You can control how safe you are when you drive. You cannot control how irresponsible someone else is when it comes to how they're driving. Watch this. You can control how good you are in a relationship. Watch this. But people's goodness to you is not an expression of your goodness to them. People's goodness to you is not an expression of their love for you. Because they can love, watch this. People love people they abuse. 
the way they treat you isn't just going to be based on their love. It's going to be based on their character. And there are people who have strong love but poor character. And that's why they exploit people. Are you hearing me? That's why they manipulate people. So it means then there are factors beyond that which I can control that impact what happens in my life. So I need more than a ground game. I need an air game. I need air force. I need prayer because prayer is that which is that which engages and produces and invites divine intervention. I work on the ground to do the things I can control. Then I pray about the things I can't control. Make sense? That's working in two realms. However, in our time together today, as we explore this subject, this work of prayer, I want to inform some and remind others that all prayer is not created equal. All prayer is equally important, but all types of prayers aren't, but all prayer isn't equally impactful because certain types of situations require certain types of prayer. The Apostle Paul tells believers at Ephesus, he says, you need to pray all types of prayers because certain situations require certain expressions of this practice called prayer. There's a prayer of supplication. What does that mean? That means when I'm making a request of God, I am asking God to do something for me. Then there are prayers of intercession. That's when I stand in the gap and I am a bridge and I'm asking God not to do something for me. I'm asking God to do something for somebody else. Then there are prayers of thanksgiving. And this is where I'm not requesting anything. I'm recognizing what he's already done, whether he's done it naturally or spiritually so I am prophetically ahead of time or with gratitude after time thanking him for what he has done or what he's getting ready to do so when you thank him in advance that's not just a regular praise that's what's called a prophetic praise you're saying God I hadn't even seen it yet but down on the inside of me I believe you're going to bring it to pass so I'm not going to wait until I get it to thank you for it I'm going to give you a prophetic praise why don't we just pause right now if you believe in God for anything I said if you're believing him for anything why don't you just pause right now and give him a prophetic praise And I think for the most part, many of us are probably familiar with prayers of supplication, even if you never use the word supplication. Many of us are familiar with prayers of intercession, even if you've never used the word intercession. Many of us are familiar with prayers of thanksgiving, even if you've never used the word prayer of thanksgiving. But there's another prayer that I see exposed and revealed in this text that is extremely important, yet often overlooked and underexplained. It's called a prayer of authority. That's what's in the text. That's, what, that's, that's, that's what's in the text. Not just supplication, not just intercession, not just thanksgiving. It's a prayer of authority. Dr. Darius, what's that? In a prayer of supplication, I talk to God about my problems. Follow me? But with a prayer of authority, I talk to my problems about my God. A prayer of supplication, I'm talking to God about a thing. But with a prayer of authority, I'm talking to a thing about God. It is a recognition that I'm dealing with a situation that God has already given me authority to address. So I'm not going back to him to get permission to address it because he's already given me permission. So I am exercising the permission he's given me to use his name and talk to the thing. 
And when I talk to the thing using his name, the thing responds like he's talking to it because his name is the authority that he's vested in me to steward properly to talk to a thing. And the text we just read is a text that exposes us to a prayer of authority. I hear you. I hear you. You asking me, where do you see that in the text? You just read to us a story about Jesus telling his disciples to go find a donkey that's tied up, that, that, that doesn't belong to them. And you're telling them to untie the donkey. And if the one who has the donkey tied up asks them what they're doing, they are to tell him, the master. I'm going to say it one more time. The master needs it. So you got Jesus telling the disciples, to go get a donkey that's tied up, that belongs to somebody else. And when the person that tied the donkey up asks them what they're doing, tell him that I said. Now, if you just tell him you need it, the donkey's going to stay tied up. Are y'all here? But if you say, I said. The master has to let it go. Am I making sense here, family? Yeah, and I know typically in this passage, there are a number of different areas that we could go. We could talk about Jesus' triumphal entry. We could talk about the palms. We could talk about the disciples. But I think we need to talk about the donkey. We need to talk about the donkey. Because the donkey has been used all throughout scripture as a metaphor to describe human personality type. Right? How many heard the term unequally yoked say yes? So that comes literally from in the Old Testament, God giving a command, don't take an ox and a donkey and put it in the same yoke. He's saying if you're doing that and you're trying to plow you won't be as productive trying to plow with an ox and a donkey because the nature of an ox and a donkey are different. The ox is compliant. The ox is agreeable. The ox is predictable. When the master calls, the ox moves. When the master says, come, the ox comes. When the master says leave, the ox leaves. When the master says stop, the ox stops. Not so with the donkey. A donkey can be stubborn and unpredictable. And so the ox represents the regenerate part of us, the saved part of us, the born again part of us. The donkey represents the fleshly part of us, the unpredictable part of us, the part of us that wants to have its own way. And so the donkey is a metaphor for the flesh and the donkey is what gets us tied up. I'm trying to find a real church in here. Uh, maybe the online church is real. I said, if you're honest, everybody has a little donkey in them. That's flesh. Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. That's not body flesh. That's flesh referring to a nature that wants to have its own way, do its own thing, that does not want to submit to anything it, that, that it needs to submit to. Paul said, in that dwells no good thing. And if we honest, our donkey has gotten us tied up sometimes. That's what happened in the text. Let me tell you what's so crazy. Y'all ready for this? Say yes. Jesus didn't go and untie the donkey himself. You got it. He didn't go and untie the donkey himself. He gave his disciples 
the authority. He says, because even this, even though this donkey, this donkey's flesh has it tied up, I'm gonna use this donkey. I'm still, I'm gonna, this donkey's gonna take me places. <laughs> and Jesus wants you to take him places. He, he, wants, he wants you to take him into places that, 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 that he would not have a presence unless you took him there. And the enemy wants you to feel like just because you tied up, you can't be used up. But God's getting, uh, God's getting ready to break chains and break shackles and remove habits and break addictions and break personality tendencies that are keeping you from moving the way he wants you to move. See, I want us to revisit this idea of bondage. Because sometimes we think, when we hear bondage, we think, we think lack of movement. When that's not always what bondage means. The donkey was tied up, so the donkey could move, but the donkey's movement was restricted. The donkey could only move as far as the rope. He could only move so far, so he stuck. And so sometimes what we call stuck is really bondage. Because my movement's restricted. And Jesus tells disciples, he says, listen, tell the one who has tied the donkey up, who thinks he owns it. He thinks that donkey belongs to him because he tied him up. But what he doesn't know is that donkey belongs to me. What has held you doesn't own you. Jesus said, you tell him I need it. Set it free, because I need it. I don't care how long it's been tied up. Set it free, because I need it, and I need it now. Y'all missed it. I, I, I need it now. Yeah, I, 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 didn't need, I always knew I needed it, but, but, but now the right time has come. <laughs> it's been prophesied. We read the text. This happened so that the prophecy could be fulfilled. It's been prophesied that this would be mine. But when the right time comes, the rope has to fall. And I don't know who this is for, but I promise you, I feel this in my heart. It's your time. You didn't receive it. Somebody put some fire in the chat. I said, it's your time. You've been tied up long enough. You've been bound up long enough. You've been burdened long enough. It's your time. I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm getting ready to show you what you were born for. <laughs> that donkey had no idea what it was born for. He said, I'm getting ready to show you what you was born for. Are y'all ready for this? All that donkey's life, all that donkey knew was bondage. There wasn't a season in that donkey's life where that donkey didn't have that bondage. But when the master gets ready to use you in a unique way, I don't care how long you've been wrestling with those ropes. Y'all better come get me today. That rope has to got to let you go. I've been dealing with this since I was a child. Let me go. My mama dealt with it. Let me go. My daddy dealt with it. Let me go. I tried before. Let me go. What God has for me, it's for me. Let me go. I want you to see something in the text. Jesus does not instruct the disciples to make a request. 
This is a different kind of prayer. And believers, we got to wrap our head around this. We need to pray. Paul said all types of prayers. He's not telling them to make a request. He didn't say go to the one that tied the donkey up and ask him. He said, you go and get that donkey. And if he asks you, this is what you tell him. He is, he is authorized. His disciples to speak to a thing. Now, we see examples of Jesus doing this in the Bible. And we also see example, I'm getting ready to show you, of him authorizing us to do it. I'm going to show you. We see examples of him doing it in the Bible. Watch this. When you see healing miracles and exorcisms. In John 5, man at the pool of Bethesda, 38 years. Jesus does not go and say, God, God cannot heal him. He tells this man, take up your bed and walk. When, when he's performing exorcisms, meaning when people are dealing with, because when you're dealing with any kind of trouble, it's got three sources. First source is you. <laughs> that the devil, no, that was me, I, you know. <laughs> right? Second type is life. We live in an imperfect world, right? And as a result of the imperfect world, we deal with all kinds of imperfections, and those imperfections become inconveniences. So, like, life just happens, right? I mean, you can eat right, work out, whatever, and then, boom, just life happens with your body. Unexplainable, doesn't make sense. Like, life happens. Life can happen in an economy. You can work, save, uh, some, uh, uh, and someone in the company uh, up high can do something that's unethical and unwise, and now 401K is gone, pension is gone. Like, li life can happen. Disciples asked Jesus one time, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, nobody. Life. So sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's life. And then sometimes it's Satan. What Job dealt with wasn't Job. What Job dealt with wasn't life. What Job dealt with was Satan. Is that true, everybody? So there are situations, and this is why we tell you, like, hey, lean into the Lent devotional. If you don't have stronger, closer, better, we literally give that away. I took what I've been doing in my devotional life for years. I took decades and combined it in a book. That's what spiritual leaders should do. That's what mentors should do. They should give you speed. They should condense days in the decades. Say, it took me decades to learn this. I'm going to give it to you so that you can do it in a day so that you don't have to spend decades trying to wrap your head around this. You need to learn new stuff. You don't need to learn stuff that somebody else has learned. And so, am I making sense here? So we tell you, like, okay, this is why we got, you got to lean into your relationship with God. This is why we're doing a series called Air Force so that those lines of communication are clear enough so that, you, so that you're able to discern which one of these am I dealing with? This me, this life, or this the devil? See, see, that's something that I can't give you. I can't. Does that make sense? That's something that comes through your own personal discernment where you sense this the devil. You can be having a conversation with a teenager. It can be, it can be adolescence or this the enemy. And if it's adolescence, you handle it one way. If it's the enemy, you handle it another. If it's adolescence, it'll pass. If it's the enemy, you go to the prayer closet. I want, I want you to see something. As it relates to this, Jesus teaching the disciples about prayers of authority. Y'all ready? In Matthew 16... Verse 17, this is what it says. Jesus replied, Simon of Jonah, blessed are you, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Listen to what he says. I will give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. Listen to this. Whatever you bind. on earth will be bound in heaven. 
whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, let's be clear. Jesus is having this conversation about uh, the to his disciples, and this conversation literally is about managing spiritual offenses and inappropriate, immoral behavior. Whatever you deem to be unlawful or immoral or inappropriate is inappropriate. Whatever you bind and restrict will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. In other words, the, the Bible is a guidebook, not a rule book. So there's going to be stuff that comes up that y'all are going to have to deal with that you won't find in a thou shalt not in the Bible. Right? Because every generation comes up with new ways to disobey God. And so all of that can't be in the Bible. So the Bible isn't this exhaustive list about do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. He says, so you, I want you to take the biblical principles that you already have. And when issues come up that need to be addressed, that are not explicitly stated in scripture, I want you to use the principles of, of scripture to deem and to determine what is what can be what should be bound or restricted or what can be loosed? Follow me. So 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 that's the literal. Circumstance up under which this passage was written. But. Verse 19 reveals there are additional implications of binding and loosing that don't just refer to natural authority, but spiritual authority also. Verse 19, I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys, authority, and access. <laughs> I'm going to give you keys. I need you to use these keys, look at me, so that the gates of hell don't prevail. Who, who left the, the gate open? Some stuff is going to come through the gate if you don't bind. Did you hear what I just said? Some stuff comes through the gate that doesn't have to come through the gate. Some stuff comes through the gate because we left the gate open. Did you hear what I just said? See, I know in this series we've been talking about people who pray a watchman, and we are. But there's also another word that can be appropriate and applied to people who understand the power of prayer in the Bible, and it's called gatekeeper. And the gate, come on, the watchman was in the tower, right? But the gatekeeper was actually by the gate. And the gatekeeper was the one that determined when doors were closed and when doors were open. And when certain things were open, people were free to come in. And when things, when the doors were closed, things were bound and restricted. So naturally, Jesus gives the disciples authority to bind and loose, but it also has spiritual implications. He says, whatever you bind. Darius, you said now, text without a context is a pretext. Where else in scripture can you show me that there are spiritual implications of this? Where else in scripture can you show me that this is spiritual? I got you. Jesus said, if you want to get the strong man's goods, are y'all here today? He said the first thing you have to do is to is to bind the strong man. In the text, who's he talking about? The strong man's the enemy. It's the adversary. It's Satan. So Satan has donkeys that belong to God tied up. And Jesus is saying, if you want to get back the donkeys that belong to God, you need to bind the strong man. You need to restrict him. And the text says, whatever you bind, whatever you restrict, whatever you restrain, 
Whatever you declare, this is unauthorized. If it's me, it's me. If it's life, it's life. If it's Satan, this is unauthorized. This is coming through the gates of hell. What's scary is he says, whatever you buy. He said, certain things I'm waiting on you to initiate. He said, when you bind it, I'll bind it. It means, one thing I can't give you discernment, it means this recognition that this is satanic involvement. And God has actually given me the authority in the name of Jesus to actually restrict and restrain satanic involvement. I cannot completely remove Satan from my life because the Bible says that's reserved for the end times, right? Am I making sense there? But I can recognize when there is working of his in my life that is unauthorized by the eternal and I can use the authority of Jesus's name to restrict that. Watch this this is exactly what happened in Matthew 10 are, are y'all lost or are you just thinking okay I want to make sure you're following me now because I, I know people don't teach about this a lot but that's exactly what happened in Matthew 10 when the disciples uh, went out two by two came back to Jesus and said even the demons are subject to us in your name it's saying when I use your name to talk to some things Some things responded to me like they would respond to you. And I am telling you, I am telling you, some of those that came before us in the faith may not have been able to explain this theologically, but they understood it biblically. And we made fun of them and we dismissed it, but they had laid hold to a truth that kept some of us alive and kept some of us out of prison and got some of us out of toxic relationships. They would say things like, I bind the devil. And we would make fun of that, not realizing they were calling in the Air Force, saying that I I recognize this is unauthorized activity and I restrict it. Devil, I know you coming back later, but this right here, you got to stop. And I know you might bother me again next week, but this right here, you got to stop because Jesus has given me authority. To say, I bind it. I bind it. Whatever you bind will be bound in heaven. I'll back back you up. You got heaven's backing. Now watch this. Using the name without understanding the authority doesn't get results. So in the book of Acts, there's this story about this group of men. We don't know their names. But the Bible calls them the sons of somebody named Sceva, right? And so they see the apostles using prayers of authority. And they're like, ooh. Ha-ba-ba. They see what they're doing. And so they try to emulate the activity without understanding the authority. So they go and they try to perform an exorcism. And they say, I cast you out in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And the Bible says, the evil spirit spoke back to him and say, Paul, I know. Peter, I know. But who are you? And the Bible says those evil spirits tormented them and ran them out of the temple because they tried to use a name. And didn't understand the authority. Jesus said, when you use my name, you need to believe. If you bind it on earth, I bind it in heaven. That I'm backing you up. That you are, the, you are a police officer that has, a, that has a badge. And the bad guys may think you by yourself. But they don't realize that the badge means you got backing. And you can radio in some backup that will pull up. Upon you. 
And when you use the name of Jesus, that's your spiritual badge that's letting the enemy know that I can call in some backup that will pull up. If I bind it on earth, he'll bind it in heaven. And I'm going to tell y'all what I do. Can I just be transparent? I bind it if I think it's the devil. Just in case. Let me go to this side. I said, I bind it if it might be the devil, I bind it. That way, if it keeps happening, I say, okay, that's something else. At least I, I check that one off. I'm trying to set somebody free in this house. Ain't nothing wrong with binding it just in case. (laughs) (sighs) Am I practicing my spirituality without any engagement with the spiritual realm? Here's what the Bible calls that kind of Christianity. It doesn't call it. It doesn't mean you're unchristian. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. But here's what the Bible says about that kind of Christianity. Paul says it's a form of godliness that denies power. So it's weird. This is what happened. Whatever area the devil tries to run us away from, he make it weird. Does that make sense? Uh, Those things that he knows that push us over the edge, that are essential, that move us from nominal Christianity to like world changes, those kind of things, he just makes it weird. Right? So if you grew up and you've had any charismatic experience, whether it's charismatic Catholicism or whether it's Pentecostal churches, you've seen some weird stuff. And the enemy wants to use that, some of that stuff that's a little extreme to cause us to completely abandon a realm that if we don't work in, the enemy dominates. The devil wants us to abandon it. When God's like, don't abandon it, just correct it. We need power. We cannot be spiritual people without any engagement in the spiritual realm. That makes no sense at all. All that the Bible says about that realm, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Is that the book? But principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Are y'all hearing me? Y'all, y'all don't, y'all don't. Are y'all up? Uh, I, I, I want you to go to, to Daniel chapter number 10. I'm going to show you something. Because when Paul says rulers of darkness, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. See, all of that, if you're just looking at that in the English language, you know what that will seem like? That will simply seem like in the English language, it will simply seem like Paul is using different words to describe the same thing. But, you know, the New Testament was not written in English. It wasn't translated in English until the 1600s by King James. King James had it translated. So that version of the Bible is called the King James Version. It's not more spiritual than any other version. That's why I said, whosoever will it come. That's not the way God talks. That's why they talked in England in the 1600s. So it's not a more holy translation because others' translations were not translated from that translation. They were translated from the same original manuscripts as that translation. Two of my professors at Princeton were on the board. We translated to NRSV. So principalities, are y'all, do y'all have time for this? Okay. So principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and heavenly places. In the Greek language, it's not the same thing. In the Greek language, it's actually different Ranking. Just like 
God's kingdom has angels, right? But then there are archangels. Satan's kingdom mirrors God's kingdom and there's rank. So some things are principalities. Y'all don't believe me. In Daniel chapter 10. Uh, in the back, please, if y'all can, if y'all can get with me, uh, uh, please, please just, just give me verse 20. Find verse 20. Uh, get ahead of me. Daniel chapter 10, verse 20. Watch what it says. It says, so he said to me, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what's written in this book. No one Within the book of truth, no one supports me against them except for Michael, your prince. Okay, now let me, let me tell you, let's make sense of this now. Go to verse 12. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Watch what it says. This is what's happening. Daniel has been praying for uh, about something, for clarity about something, for 21 days. And the Bible says... On the 21st day, an angel comes to Daniel and says, don't be afraid for since the first day. Am I in the book now? I want you to see it. For since the first day, you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of Persia resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns yet a time to come. So when he says you have an angel saying that the prince of Persia withstood me and I had to call for one of the chief princes, Michael, to help me. He's not talking about a, how is a literal prince in Persia withstanding an angel? It isn't. When he's talking about the prince of Persia, it's the principality that was assigned to the region of Persia. That principality did not want Daniel to get the answer to the prayer. And it was so strong that the angel that was a messenger could not overcome it himself. So he called for somebody higher in rank, Michael. And Michael came and overthrew that principality. And he says, I'm getting ready to go now. And not only am I going to have to deal with the principality in Persia, I'm going to have to deal with the one in Greece. Regions have principalities. Some regions have principalities of poverty. And the devil will use anything to bring it. He'll use systems. He'll use laws. He'll use policies. He'll use personal behavior. He'll use anything to create a pattern in a region. And this is why all the work we're doing on the ground, not changing it. We need to work on the ground, right? But we also need to work in the air. And believers are not doing work in the spiritual realm. Because it's weird. No binding. No praying to overturn that principality. That's influencing people's minds. Families have principalities. People aren't praying. So it just goes from generation to generation to generation. And people just say, I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not. And so all the work is in the ground game. No work in the spiritual realm. Because it's weird. Let's, let's play that son. They tired. They, they, people leave and they tired. It's weird because when you do that work, you don't always see the results of that work because some of that work is preemptive. 
it's like, it's not just correcting stuff, it's stopping stuff. Did you hear what I just said? Prayer doesn't just fix stuff. Prayer stops some stuff. It's some people right now making fun of your spirituality, not realizing your spirituality is what's protecting them. You always at that church. That's why you in your right mind. Because I'm binding the devil and loosing peace and loosing blessing and loosing joy and loosing God's goodness over your life. We cannot practice spirituality with no engagement in the spiritual realm. I went my whole life, well, not my whole life, but a large part of my life in church. And all of this was just dismissed as weird or extreme. But like so much of it is in the Bible. So for us to ignore all this in scripture is to ignore something that we need to experience God's best. So today, your pastor wants to encourage you to practice all your faith. I'm not telling you be spooky. I'm just saying be spiritual. I'm not saying you got to walk at people, point at them, and call, call them devils. But I'm saying when you are praying over your family, bind him. I bind it. I bind the work you're doing in my family's mind. I, I, I bind that principality over my finances. I, I, I bind that low self. I bind that spirit that's causing low self-esteem and imposter syndrome and inadequacy. And I loose the favor of God over my family. I loose it over my church. I, I loose it over my life. I'm blessed, not cursed. Above only, not beneath. Head, not the tail. We've got to work in both realms. God wants PhDs binding and loosing and CEOs binding and loosing and JDs binding and loosing and entrepreneurs binding and loosing. He wants you binding in the tech industry. He wants you binding in the courtroom. He wants accountants binding and loosing. He wants us to practice all of our faith. Thank you, Jesus. I feel your presence in this room right now I feel it I feel it I feel it I feel it I believe it's time to go to work in that realm right now there's some things that are happening in your life patterns you are sensing and it is the enemy and we restrict him now we say you are trespassing on God's property I'm the anointed of God and the word says touch not my anointed do my servant no harm we bind you and we loose joy we loose favor we loose peace come on church those that know how to war go to war right here we loose it over our homes we loose it over this city in the name of Jesus we loose it over New Jersey we loose it over Texas we loose it over Florida we loose it over Georgia may the kingdom of this world become the kingdoms of our God in the name of Jesus come on somebody that knows how to call him call him right here we aren't spooky we're spiritual whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved we call you now we call you now we hey, 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 hey. we call you now we call you now You know, I was telling, I was telling the church earlier, I said, you know, it's one thing for a pastor to practice what they preach. It's another thing for a pastor to preach what they practice. And this is something that the Lord's been dealing with me on. I was talking to a friend of mine about this, Pastor David Johnson. Uh, 
And pastor, that pastor comes from a tradition. His, his mother's a prayer warrior and he prays. And I say, you know, uh, I say, pastor, you know, I think people think I study a lot. And they do. And I do. But I was like, whatever God has done in my life, it's not just because I study a lot. It's because three times a day, I pause. And I do work in the air. It's in my day. It's on my calendar. I want you to, hey, I want you to know if there's anything you admire about your past, don't admire degrees. Degrees don't do this. Don't, don't admire vocabulary. Vocabulary don't do this. I want you to look to the God that's behind the curtain. I want you to know there's work that your pastor's doing in the air. It's time for us to do that work. I love you, but I believe God is charging you and me. Close the gates. Close the gates. Gates are open. Because we're not doing work in that realm. And I'm telling you, I heard one writer put it this way. We're about to go. When the devil can't make you bad, he make you busy. And I'm telling you, doing work on the ground alone is not enough work. I don't care how much human effort you exert, how many conversations you have. You can talk to somebody until they blew in the face. But until God gets a, a hold of their heart, they won't even be receptive to or open to your words. You've got to work in both realms. And here's my question. Are you talking to God about them more than you're talking about them? I felt that one. We pray prayers of authority. We pray prayers of supplication, intercession, thanksgiving. But we practice all of our faith. In the name of Jesus. You received this word today. Come on, clap your hands, everybody. Clap them in the house. Drop some fire in the chat. Come on. <laughs>